Hey everyone and welcome to episode two of Beers with Dad. We appreciate you listening to the first one and deciding that we said things interesting enough to have you back for a second. So uh, welcome in. Alongside me as always are Chris and Nick. What's up fellas? Hey how's it going? Good to be here. Going all right. Good to be back. Fantastic. And so just as a reminder this is the podcast where three dads sit down and talk about what it's like being a dad, different situations that we come across as dads, dad life, and also craft beer. Chris and I are emphatic beer drinkers, but Nick comes in uh, luckily and lends some credibility having uh, 15 years experience in the craft beer world. Really excited about today's episode because we have our first interview with Dylan Ellis with Stone Brewing. Um, Dylan was kind enough to come on and you know talk about his experience in the craft beer world, talk about stone brewing and you know why he loves working there and then actually stick around and taste the beer of the week with us. So this uh, week's style, which we'll go into a lot more later on, is the classic West Coast IPA. And with that, we will be tasting the stone IPA, which I think you know is, is very much of that style and, and very much a classic. But let's get this episode kicked off. We're going to go around the horn. It's been seven days since we all sat down and chatted with each other. So we're going to do a little bit of High Low Buffalo. Chris, give us your High Low Buffalo for the last week. Awesome. High Low Buffalo. So the high undoubtedly was this past weekend, my son and his wife and their two kids came into town. And of course, my daughter and her husband and their two kids live here locally. And so getting the whole family together is just an incredible experience. And, you know, they become fewer and farther between with the more kids get into gymnastics and soccer and cheer bleeding practice and stuff like that. So it just, it's, it's, they, they get more and more rare and uh, really makes me appreciate the time that we can all get together as a family and uh, drink some delicious beer. Not so much the grandkids. Uh, we make them drink Pilsners. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but that was definitely the high. Getting together, getting getting uh, to see everybody is just, uh, it's always such a great experience. Uh, the low uh, actually happened today. So I've got a 14-year-old chocolate lab named Shiner. And she is in very poor health. So we came home today and she nor, normally she's incredibly motivated by food. Like if, as soon as uh, she hears the food hit her bowl, she's like chugging down the stairs and like ready to eat. But much like me. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I, she gets, she definitely gets that from me. Very food motivated, but yeah, she's kind of uh she's in poor health and man watching, watching pets, get old is it's tough it's just never gets any easier man no never gets any easier so kind of concerned about her she didn't want to eat and uh Mm. that's the low uh the buffalo is that it still takes a long time to paint an rv if you listened last week you know what i'm talking about uh my wife and i purchased an rv recently and anybody who has purchased an RV in the last decade knows that the inside of those things are just RV brown. And uh, we are in the process of painting ours, making it look a little more modern, getting ready for a four-month trip up to the Pacific Northwest this summer. And it just takes forever to paint. I feel RV. like episode 52 of Beers with Dad will be and Chris is still painting his RV. It's going to be like one of those old SNL skits. That's like, right. Uh, what was yeah. it? General, or like uh, uh, Francisco Franco is still dead. Yeah. Yeah. One or like, uh, like uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, we're sorry Matt Damon didn't have time for him. That kind of things. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be, be like ongoing. That. That's exactly. going to be the new. And Carthage must be destroyed. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So that's my high-low buffalo. Very nice. And Nick, what do you have for us for your high-low and buffalo? Oh, man. My high this week, our 10-month-old son has decided that this week is the week that he starts just standing up on his own. And we were actually, my wife was actually able to catch that moment live 
on camera when he just stood up and was so surprised right. that he was doing it. And just to have that moment captured for posterity, for posterity is, is yeah. really, I mean, cool. how, how much, uh, how much, uh, have the cell phone cameras contributed to all of those moments that, you know, you used to have to wait, let me get the camcorder out. And do I have a blank tape? And now it's just, bam, you know, yeah, flick right a there. flick of your thumb and you're recording. Yeah. Just reach inside your pocket and it's there. That's awesome, man. Congrats. And I feel terrible for you. Uh, yeah. That's time. a game changer. <laughs> yeah. We should, we should all be worried. So, but the low low is if you are any fan of the jam band scene, you may have heard already that Tony Markellis has died this week. Uh, Tony Markellis was the bass player for the Trey Anastasio band, uh, among other projects. But that's where I know him the most from. Uh, Trey Anastasio, of course, being the lead guitar player and vocals for the band Fish. And Tony Markellis, this is just a kind of a weird how the universe works type of thing. Trey happened to be in Burlington, Vermont, and saw Tony Markellis playing bass at a club and was just absolutely blown away. And that's the moment he decided that he wanted to go to college in Burlington, Vermont. That is where he met the rest wow. of his bandmates. Had he not gone to Burlington, Vermont, we may not have had uh, the band Fish, which, again, if you are in the jam band circle, you, uh, you know what a big deal that is. And you probably also have some conga drums or a, a djembe hey, if you're in the jam band be circle. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm on be nice. things, yeah. <laughs> Own it. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I, I love jam bands, man. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of jam bands. Ironically, Fish is, I love Fish, and I appreciate what they have done for the jam band scene, but I have to say they're probably not my favorite jam band. Hey, right, fair enough. I feel like the jam band scene does kind of parallel, though, to the craft beer scene, because I feel like you can love the jam band scene and be like, oh, hey, this beer, this jam band, I don't love, but I appreciate what they do for the scene. Much like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in the craft beer scene, you know, you might not dig Dogfish Head 120 minute IPA, but you can appreciate where it is in the pantheon of, of, you know, craft beer. You can appreciate how they're pushing the envelope and redefining some, some things. Yeah. So I can, I appreciate that. But do you guys think that uh, when it comes to jam bands, you either love them or you hate them? I think it certainly takes uh, uh, a type that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I have personal experience with, with people who do just absolutely hate them. So I can absolutely see that. They're a yeah, bit divisive. Just, you hate them. So that's fine. It could be a bit like jazz in that respect. Some people just don't like jazz. Mm-hmm. I'm personally, I'm not a big, uh, jam band guy if i could say why it's just i don't really get it and by that i don't mean like i don't understand improv improvisational music you know i i appreciate jazz and i appreciate blues and i guess it's more the fanaticism around jam bands that i don't understand more so than the jam bands themselves that being said like i i've studied grateful dead um i've seen fish in concert like i i get it mm-hmm. when i went to fish it's it was a very positive very uplifting experience but i guess the part of me that i don't understand jam bands is kind of the i have to follow them and see them play 50 nights in a row that is yeah. still a mystery to me well i i i know that jam bands are not the topic of this uh of this episode of our podcast although i would like to do an episode on it at some point which uh which beers go best with jam bands <laughs> anyway my wife and i took our daughter to see a jam band one night and my daughter let's just say is not a fan of the jam bands and so about eight minutes into the first song she like and she had had a couple of beers again she's older it's okay she had a couple of beers um she she like put down her beer and looked at me and went how long is this song and and you're like they're just tuning it's like oh that's right right. that was just the sound that's right that's right And, right. you know, it's it's funny to me because, you know, like I said on last week's episode, Nick and I go way, way back and we've been to, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 concerts together. One of the great things is Nick is one of three brothers and I think the shortest of the three, okay. even though you're Very six, so. four. Yeah. I'm the yeah. So point there is um, we got to the front of, of crowds a lot and very quickly because Nick and his two younger brothers were giant. I mean, they're still giant. They're all still living and they're all still giant. But all of those concerts, like going back, I mean, it was all metal. 
right? Like that's kind of where we're at. So when Nick and Dave and Joe kind of all made this pivot to jam bands, I was kind of sitting there holding the bag, but enough, you know, it certainly is a hard pivot. Uh, It's a little bit. So to wrap it up, Buffalo for me is kind of along the same lines as Chris, where he's still painting the RV. I still don't have a kitchen. Uh, but in addition, I, I don't, we don't have a living room now. So fantastic. <laughs> we keep, we one by one, room. they take away rooms. <laughs> Next episode will be Nick in the shed. Not because he wants to be, but because that's the last place he has. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, Chris and Nick uh, for the high, low Buffalo, my high, low Buffalo. Uh, my high is that, uh, I guess it's kind of twofold much like you, Chris, the time that family can all get together is very rare these days as everybody's lives get busier and busier. But also, um, today was the first time that all four of my in-laws' grandchildren got together in one place. So that was pretty special. Um, and that's more, not so much everybody was busy, but everybody was kind of preoccupied with that little COVID thing. And so everybody's got their shots now. And so we went over, it's uh, my nephew's birthday. Shout out, Sam. Happy two-year-old birthday. You won't listen to this, so it's whatever. But um, it was the first time that all four of the grandchildren got together. So that was pretty special. Um, Also, high uh, would be that my uh, wife, after a lot of searching, um, has landed on a position that's going to be really great for her career. She's a teacher, and this is going to really kind of give her some extremely valuable experience and somewhat fulfill a lifelong dream of hers to do outdoor ed on a year-round basis. So that's pretty cool. My low, once a week, we order takeout kind of to stick within budgets and and what have you. You know, when you have kids, there's not a lot of free cash flow. Shout out finance majors. We order takeout once a week. Um, We also kind of use this as our one like carbs and stuff we don't normally eat splurge. And so this week we decided to uh, order Tex-Mex. Haven't had it in quite some time. Ordered from Chewy's and decided, man, I maybe this is like super, you know, not classy of me, but I love a frozen margarita. Just Absolutely love it. And so thanks to Adam DeBauer again. We'll try and figure out how to give him a shout out every week on the podcast. But we now have um, alcohol to go sales at our restaurant. So I ordered uh, frozen margarita to go. We ordered frozen or we ordered margarita mix to go. And we went, picked up our food quite a ways away from our house. It was raining, whatever. We drove all the way back, unloaded the bags. And because this is my low, you can guess where this is going the margaritas were not there. Ouch. It was just one of those moments like, come on, man. I I have not had a restaurant quality frozen margarita in a good year and a half. Why? Why is that the thing? Could you just, you know, you forget, you forget. The, I would, I would be fine if you forgot my food. I, w- I would really like not be as hurt about that as you forgot my frozen margarita. Did you at least get the mix? Uh, no, we got no nothing liquidy. I thought that story was going to end with my frozen margarita turned nope. into a on the rocks margarita. Nope, all all low there, Nick. Oh, no, <laughs> no real uh, redemption there. Uh, my buffalo was, you know, like I said, my wife and I are now both vaccinated. We've been getting out a bit, and there's a promotion going on. Barks for beers is what it used to be called. I don't know what it's called now, but essentially, you get a passport and you go to these different breweries and. They each give you a free pour. And so it was kind of cool getting getting out there. And, you know, we experienced some new breweries that we hadn't been to before. So that was kind of cool, but a little bit unexpected because normally we would be giving uh, our son his uh, time for his nap. But we decided, hey, let's blow through it and go to a couple breweries instead. So that's our Hilo Buffalo for the week. Next, we'll transition into what you're drinking. Have you had anything this week that was interesting, good, bad, and different? And tell us a little bit about it. So, Chris. What you drinking? Yeah, my what you drinking? Uh, just only uh, marginally was above the low for the week, um, and that was I went to Pine House Pizza, which is I, I love Pine House. They've made some great beers there. They've got some great people working there. But this week they made a or they released a uh, sage infused pilsner called Cowboy Culture. I love the can art on that. Yeah, that was probably the best part about it, I guess. And in, in my opinion, I mean, it just it just wasn't good. It just wasn't. Uh, I mean, it wasn't Pilsnery. You know, we last week, if you listen last week, we t- we uh, drank uh, Pilsner or Kell, and 
that is like the epitome of a pilsner. This was nothing like that. This was like a pilsner with that shouldn't have been a pilsner. It was it was uh churching it up a little bit, maybe not focusing on kind of the core of what a pilsner is and adding something to it that maybe wasn't necessary. Yeah, I think definitely wasn't necessary. But anyway, that's that's what I had this week. All right, awesome, Nick. What you drinking? So this week I am uh, very excited about what I've been drinking. If you listen to the first one, you know that I'm drinking Lover Dawn. Still drinking Lover Dawn. Uh, but in addition to that, we at Austin Beer Works have recently we wor- reworked our Bloodwork orange recipe. And that's my baby. And so any any change to it, I'm very keen to. But this one is uh, we've we've juiced it up a lot more, so it's a lot more close it's more closer to the original pilot batch that we brewed which had a lot of juice to it it actually had too much residual sugar left in the brew that it was not shelf stable so when we decided to can it we had to tweak the recipe considerably to get rid of all of those residual sugars and make it more shelf stable because otherwise the can would explode so we were able to again rework the recipe and get, kind of get back to uh, its juicy roots and it's it's a little bit more like a blood orange hazy ipa now but the juice is is almost back to where it was at the original pilot batch uh, without losing any of that uh, hoppy bitterness that makes it into an ipa so i have been thoroughly enjoying the reworked blood work dude and i'm i'm so excited to uh have that i realize i could have it now if i drove over to abw and picked up a six-pack there but uh i'm busy i'm old i'm lazy pick your choice i'm gonna wait till it hits my shelves here unless we happen to go over there with our barks for beer deal um at least in the general area but i'm really excited about that um and the reason that Nick says it's his baby is because he was actually the creator of the recipe. And this is one of uh, ABW's Austin Beer Works best-selling beers. I mean, this is one of their, you know, they had, as most breweries do when they decide to distribute outside of the brewery, they had, I guess it was four core beers, Nick? Correct. It was the with four core beers. Fire Eagle, Pearl Snap. Peacemaker. Black Thunder. And back then it was back Black Thunder. Uh, Black Thunder has since been replaced by Flavor Country Pale Ale. And Nick's beer, uh, which I think we can safely call it that, uh, was the first one outside of those core four to become a core five. So it's uh, really cool. If you're not in the Austin area, I recommend traveling down to the Austin area. Don't move here. We have too many people. But travel down, and if you do, (laughs) pick up a uh, Bloodwork Orange. My What You Drinking? Got a lot to choose from. Um, I've had a lot of good beers in the last week. I am going to stick with Spindle Tap that I went with last week. A different beer, though, uh, which is their Faded Double IPA. And Spindle Tap really knocks it out of the park when we're talking hazy IPAs. And, you know, I talked about it last week. I'm a little bit stuck in that rut. But I just I know that when I go to a hazy IPA, I'm probably going to enjoy it. And uh, Faded is one of their seasonal releases. Our HEB local grocery store had it pick some up. I was drinking. I was like, man, this just, it's great. Time after time after time, I can have the faded and it's really great. What's the hop profile on this? And I looked and it's all mosaic hops, which we're going to do an episode in the future talking hops, what that means, different varietals, etc. But it made sense because I love mosaic hops. It's just one of those that's like always juicy, always just delicious in my opinion. So I had one of those fantastic beer. So that's what you're drinking for the week. Next... We're going to let this week host of choice, Nick, give you his beer memory of the week and his dad joke of the week and anything else he wants to share before we go into our style of the week, West Coast IPAs. All right, take it, Nick. Thank you, John. Well, so my beer story of the week, uh, I kind of briefly touched upon it last week, just talking about my very first experience with beer. And that was, you know, when my dad gave me a sip of his Coors Light and I decided that that was the most disgusting thing I've ever had. How could you possibly drink this. Uh, Just to jump forward a little bit, uh, we would always take skiing vacations. And so every spring break, we would go to a different ski resort. And I just remember being on the mountain all day. We get down to the base, we get down to the lodge, and there are just all these adults sitting around drinking beer. And, you know, me being a very knowledgeable six year, seven year old at that point, uh, I was like, I know what that tastes like. Dad, what are these people doing? This this is awful. And I just remembered my dad chuckling and just saying, well, you know, to, to a lot of adults, uh, having a beer at the end of the day is one of the most refreshing things that you can have. I just remember just thinking he was just, you know, full of you know what. 
I thought he was absolutely pulling my chain. <laughs> uh, but that's 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 a memory that stuck with me, and so that would be my beer story of the week. Even Very nice. today, I, I still think back on that and just think like, huh, okay, okay, Dad, I see, I see what you were laying down. Then hit us up with your uh, dad joke of the week. All right, I'm gonna need a little bit of audience participation in this one. Uh, so I, I took my it. kids. I took my kids to the uh, circus this week. Say, how was it? How was the circus, Nick? It was intense. Hi, well done, well done. All right, so <laughs> with that. We're going to go into our style of the week. Our style of the week this week is West Coast IPAs. And again, we're trying to be more specific with our styles because we want to do this podcast for a long, long time. And if we just kind of do general like IPA or general Pilsner, what have you, um, it would limit us a bit. But we decided to kind of specifically go with West Coast IPAs. And I think one of the things that's interesting about IPAs is I would say even as recent as 10 maybe 15 years ago, it was just IPAs. That was it. It was IPAs and you knew what you were getting when you had one. I think IPAs have evolved. And so you have so many different variations on that. Now you have West coast, you have East coast, you have Northeast, you have new England style, you have hazy, you have, you know, then dry hop, double dry hop, just all over the map. So when we were thinking about this, we kind of got the idea from uh, Nick, talking about beers last week, we decided let's go with one of the classics, West Coast IPAs. And so to me, West Coast IPA, because I started drinking when I did, it's synonymous with IPA, just the just the thought of it. And it's those, you're drinking it, it's really clear. It's a nice light ambered kind of dark yellow color. It's, you know, those resinous kind of dank, grapefruity, bitter hops. That's what I think of. Chris, when, I, when I'm talking West Coast IPA to you, what do you think? Well, very similar. Uh, really piney, really um, bitter, less juicy. You know, the, the juicy style, the hazy style is more, I guess, what I would consider New England style or East Coast style. But West Coast IPAs are those ones that uh, if you're not, you know, if you haven't had too many of them and you take your first sip, you kind of go... <sighs> Like it just hits you in the back of the throat. My wife still will do that if uh, she'll if she drinks something particularly bitter. It just kind of hits you back in the back of the throat where you get that nice hop uh, bitterness. But some I, I think you know tropical piney aromas on the front end and uh, nice uh, nice bitterness on the back end is what I think of. Yeah, for sure. I still kind of get that like ugh, just that. It's like a, a highly tannic wine, I think. You you yeah. kind of feel it in in your mouth too. Nick, West Coast IPAs, how do you how would you describe them? What is your elevator pitch on West Coast West Coast IPAs? Uh West Coast IPA to me means uh very low malt content. Brilliantly clear and just the the hops are turned up to 11. That it's like pi- biting into a pine cone, but in you know, in a good way. There can be no more hops. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, how did you possibly squeeze this much hop flavor into this beer? And and some of them is just like, you, you know, you can't, you can't squeeze possibly any more flavor. That's it. That's as much as you can do. But the the West Coast IPA, my my first reaction is is unbalanced, but in a good way. And they're just they're just striving for that hop bitterness, that hop flavor. It's all about the hops and nothing but the hops. Don't let anything else get in the way of the hops. Give me the hops. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, I think when you think about IPAs and specifically West Coast IPAs, the idea of one of my favorite words to say the Reinheitsgebot, right? The German purity laws that kind of said what beer could be way back when and said you had to use only four ingredients, uh, water, malt, yeast, and hops, right? Or grains, malt, whatever. And when we were looking at the Pilsner last week, it kind of showcased more, I would say, of kind of that like water and the malt profile, whereas uh, IPAs really kind of showcase the hops. And I think you'll find this uh, a lot more with the modern IPAs, but really it's it's taking the spotlight and it's shining it on whatever the hops are. And I think it was really insightful, Nick, for you to say that. It, it does have a lower malt content and, you know, malt is, it's one of the four ingredients of beer and with well done West Coast IPAs, that malt is really turned down. So kind of that sweetness that you would usually get from the malt is turned down a little bit so the hops can really 
come through and they can shine. So the West Coast IPAs, again, that's that's kind of where IPA started. And I think when even now a lot of people think about IPAs, they kind of think about that like real West Coast, piney, bittery, you know, just dank IPA. And it's it's changed a lot since then. When I think West Coast IPAs, I think Stone, I think Lagunitas, I think maybe even Sierra Nevada. And now most breweries have that West Coast style in their repertoire, but I think sometimes they can turn up the malts a little bit too much and not let the hops shine as much. So Chris, Nick, closing thoughts on West Coast IPAs, maybe ones that you really like, whether they're local or national. Yeah. Anything you have to say about them? Well, I'm a, so I'm a big fan of Green Flash. I feel like Green Flash has a really nice West Coast. Honestly, I, I like that beer uh, better than some of the West Coast style IPAs that I've been able to get here in Austin. To me, it's one of my favorite styles. It's what got me into the IPA genre seven, eight years ago, something like that. Uh, so I am a big, big fan. Uh, I love a nice, dank, resiny West Coast. It's one of my favorite styles out there. Nick, how about you? What uh, what other West Coast IPAs do you enjoy? And, you know, kind of leave us with some parting thoughts. Well, I think y'all, we already, y'all already touched on, on some of the standards there. Stone IPA, uh, Lagunitas IPA, the Green Flash West Coast IPA. Uh, I would just add Ballast Point Sculpin IPA to that. The Shoots makes a pretty good West Coast IPA as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just as far as what's available to us here in Central Texas, the uh, the Bell's Two Hearted, pretty pretty darn good one as well. But re- I mean, any IPA to me that is really focused on more of the the bittering side of the hops, that's the spirit of West Coast IPA to me. Uh, the floralness is great. The uh, you know the almost kind of borderline candy flavors that you can get out of hops those are great too but a west coast ipa really embodies just the bitter side of hops and they do a great job yeah and with that we're going to take you to the uh, interview we did dylan ellis of stone brewing and the live tasting of our stone ipa a classic on the west coast as a heads up before we start this interview with dylan ellis Those with young ears in the car might want to know that there is a certain beer that is mentioned in this interview a couple of times. It's a famous beer from Stone Brewing that has a word that some might consider to be slightly offensive. It's uh, a a term for a fatherless child, if you catch my drift. So just a little heads up before we dive into this interview. Hey, everyone. I'm very excited to have our first interview on the Beers with Dad podcast. Today, we have Dylan Ellis from the Stone Brewery. Hey, Dylan, how you doing? Doing great, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you, too. It's It's been a hot minute since uh, Dylan and I have talked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dylan and I, uh, along with Nick, went to the same high school, and Dylan and I were also freshman college roommates. So a um, little bit of history there. Dylan is, uh, like we said, works for Stone, um, has got a family, but we're going to kind of let him tell you about himself. Um, so with that being said, tell us a little about, uh, about yourself, your family, um, you know, what a dad means to you. Yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, just in terms of the beer world, I, I've been with stone, uh, stone brewing for five years now as the Texas market manager. Uh, so I'm responsible for everything that stone does in Texas started out as a huge fan of stone. I was like, just your typical fanboy um, of them. I was, uh, I got started, um, in the beer industry, I, uh, I, I bartended at the Alamo Draft House in college. So a local like theater chain here in uh, based here in Austin, Texas. They're kind of everywhere now. But got a job there as a bartender just to make money through college. Really dug it. Did that for years and then became a kind of bar manager, beer buyer. Got really into craft beer. Just was a huge Stone fan. And so much so that I remember people coming in and being like, you have a lot of Stone on your wall at this place. And I was like, Yeah. I don't hear, I'm not hearing a problem, you know? Um, and anyway, so I, I went to work for a distri- beer distributor after that um, for a few years, which is pretty typical for how people on the supplier side. Um, so people who work for breweries, it's pretty, pretty typical to go work for a wholesaler kind of as a stepping stone, worked for a wholesaler for a few years that sold stone, sold a ton of stone in the state, uh, became the number one salesman for stone um, in Texas. Uh, and yeah, they kind of asked me when they were needed somebody, Hey, we, we would love to Look at you for this job. So anyway, that's how I got with Stone. Yeah, man. And then I've I got two kids. I got a um my my boy Jack just turned eight. Um, this last Happy week birthday. was his birthday. Yeah, we had his party on Saturday. It was radical. Um, and my daughter Ivy is five. 
Um, and they're both, yeah, they're my little beer babies. Uh, I had Jack, right? Like the first few months I started at, uh, working at a wholesaler and then I had Ivy literally a month after I started with stone. So I have like my wholesaler baby and my, my stone baby. So you start another job, you'll have another kid is what I'm hearing. Basically. Yes. So I don't, I can't leave my job unless I have my wife as a baby in her tummy. So yeah. Um, but yeah, man, uh, being a dad is crazy. It's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I've ever done. Um, I feel like it's rewired my brain. I don't know if you guys feel that way. Um, like I cry at things I would have never cried about. Um, I'm emotional about things. Um, and I would throw myself in front of a bus for one of them, like no questions asked. So it's totally (laughs) rewired my brain. Uh, and I love it. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for a little bit of backstory, a little bit of, uh, you know, who you are and kind of how you've gotten into the beer industry. Um, I think, I know Nick, you kind of mentioned this last week, but for me too, I, I definitely hit on that emotional part. Like there'll be just the dumbest things on TV. There was an episode of the, I watched the episode of Mighty Ducks show that's on Disney now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, spoiler alert for those who haven't watched it, maybe, you know, mute this, but they, the the original ducks walk into the room in a flying V and like, I'm getting choked up and I'm just <laughs> right. like, come on, come on, right? like get it together. But yeah, no, I think being a dad definitely uh, changes your perspective on things and it definitely makes you see things through a different lens. So I totally yeah. get that. I, th- I think back to uh, when my son was just born. I think, you know, he was maybe a month or two month old and Man of Steel uh, had just come out. And my wife and I went to see it. It's like the first time we really got out of the house, honestly, since, you know, since we had him. Um, and he had some problems too when he was born and he was in NICU. He's totally fine. But, um, he you know, his birth was a tiny bit like sort of stressful and traumatic. So he was at home, you know, for a couple months. The first time we went out, my mom watched him. We went to see Man of Steel which is, you know, a Zack Snyder movie. It's not exactly like, it's not fried green tomatoes or like steel magnolias or something. But, uh, you know, the first bit of that movie, they wrap Kalel up in a little spaceship to shoot him off to Earth. And I remember his mom, you know, saying, you know, we're never going to, I can't even say it, I'm getting checked up. I just remember them saying like, you know, we're never going to, we're never going to hear him say our names. We're never going to see him like take his first steps. And I'm like bawling in the theater. And my wife is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Like I'm just had a baby and I'm not emotional. So yeah, it's just crazy. It totally changes things that just never would have made you emotional. Just yeah. Make you like a ball, ball of tears. It's, it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I don't want to sit here and be like toxic masculinity. Like don't cry. Dang it. Step it down. But um, yeah, it's totally made me like a softy in the best way. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, and you know, one of the things that we're striving to do here with this podcast is to talk about being a dad in a positive light and, you know, being a dad doesn't mean you're babysitting the kids when you're watching them. It means like you're doing your responsibility. So totally get that. Um, So if we put Jack and Ivy in front of the mic, how do you think they would describe you as their dad? (laughs) Oh, wow. I would say different than the other dads, Um, (laughs) just by the nature of like my job, you know, and I'm sort of still arrested development in in a good way. Like I, you know, I, I go to like a lot of, I'm very involved. Like I go to a lot of their school stuff and they'll have like a little like, you know, Thanksgiving uh, assembly lunch thing and I'll go and I have like Jordans and like, you know, like what I wear and like other dads are like dressed like, cause they're like business people, which is totally cool. Normal. It's just like, I don't have to do that. Right. I wear a t-shirt every day cause I can and I, I'm allowed to. Um, and I remember my daughter, one of my daughter's like classmates came up and we were talking, like talking to my daughter and, and she said, Ivy, is that your dad? And she said, yeah. And she said, he's cool. Um, so <laughs> number one, five-year-olds think I'm cool. No big deal. No, I would say they, they'd say I'm very silly and very, like, I am constantly playing jokes on them. Yeah, I'm just a goofball and not super serious all the time. It's probably what my wife gets mad about. <laughs> it's like everything is a joke and nothing is ever serious. Um, they loved their favorite thing to do was wrestle. I don't know if your kids, ex- you experience this, but like my son, especially, like all he wants to do is wrestle. You know, if I'm trying to bribe him with something like, Jack, I really need you to do your homework. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. You know, we had to, we needed him to go to the doctor for something. It was a doctor's appointment. He was pitching a fit. He didn't want to go. And like literally under the bed, like, I'm not going. You can't make me. And I'm like, what can I give you? I'll give you anything you want. And he's like, nothing. There's nothing I want. And I was like, I'll wrestle you for two hours. And his eyes like lit up. And he was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. So they love like they love to wrestle um, me <laughs> mostly like and, you know, 
kill me in the solar plexus, you know, just they're like jumping off the high ropes, uh, knee to the forehead constantly. Um, yeah, I think that's what they say about me, but I'm also like, I said, I'm a very, I'm a softy man. I'm like, you know, I, I say, I love you constantly to them. Like probably too much. They're probably sick of hearing it. I love like I, my daughter, I'm always like, take me to cuddle town. And she's like, okay, that's like our little thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, man. I, yeah. I would say, uh, that's, yeah. Softy and a goofball really shocking. I know, you know? Yeah. Yeah, hardcore on the outside, but you know, inside totally, yeah. center. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think we haven't quite gotten there with the wrestling because um, with me, uh, my daughter's older and much older. Um, so my daughter's nine, my son's two. And so she was never, you know, into wrestling. Started somewhat recently because my child is giant. Um, started wrestling with him a bit, but very carefully because while sure. he's giant, he's still two. Right. Um, and then once I started wrestling with him, she got into it and, um, I was like, there are certain things that I cannot do to your size body. Like you're just going to have to accept right. that you've already grown quite a bit. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely fun. And, you know, they enjoy, uh, roughhousing a bit together. You know, this, this podcast is about beer and it's about dads and it's kind of about, you know, the, the crossroads of that and really born from the idea of kind of that griswold vacation moment where uh right. you know yeah. clark and russ are sitting there and you know he, he hands him a beer so do you have a specific memory about either kind of your first beer or you know that first time that you got to sit down and, and share beer with your dad yeah i don't it's funny i don't have a i saw you know when you sent me the notes i remember reading that and thinking like man i don't really have that um i don't have like a first moment or anything like that but you know i i got into craft beer like right when i turned 21 i literally the week i started at the alamo as a bartender i was 21 years old and I actually, you know, this was 2007. So this was sort of the like, Nick, Nick's been in beer for a while too. I would say this is sort of the beginning of the craft beer boom. But, you know, I remember like my first shift beer, they were like, do you want a shift beer? And I was like, yeah, I'll take a Heineken. And they were like, are you kidding? And I was like, or something else that's cooler, you know? <laughs> and I didn't know anything about it. So any, but, but I got really into it really fast because like we were a craft beer place and it was a big deal and I had to learn and, but, but I got into it. Like it became, an, uh, you know, obviously like a passion of mine. So got into it. With my dad too. My dad's been pretty crafty. He was like, he, you know, he drinks, he would drink like Sierra Nevada. I remember and like thinking like, I've never seen that beer. I don't know who I've never seen anybody else drink that beer. But, um, I do remember around the time I worked at the South Amar location, my dad still was working at the paper here, the Austin American Statesman. Um, and like once a week, him and his coworkers, would go to happy hour um at a place nearby and i he would always be like hey i'm gonna be, be at happy hour with the guys you know if you want to come and i used to come and i used to get off about the same time as him so i'd go and go to happy hour with him and his coworkers, and they would just like ask me like what's work like what do you do and i'd be like i you work at a newspaper i feel like it's way more interesting like i want to know what you guys do but um i always yeah i did that for like a long time like when we both worked when i worked at south Mar, my dark the statesman i used to go to happy hour with him and his buddies like you know once a week for a few years and I always loved that. That was great. I felt like, wow, I'm like one of the guys. Like, I'm like a man, you know, like this is so ma- manly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like one of those rites of passage, like coming of age. You can go sit with your dad and now kind of somewhat be an equal because you're sharing a beer, yeah. right? Like, you know, I think you told us a bit about Stone. What are some of the favorite things that you have about working at Stone? Yeah, man. So I, like I said, I was a huge fan. I was just a fanboy of the brewery. I love the beers. I love the kind of punk rock metal aesthetic that they had. And the, you know, to this day, you know, Arrogant Bastard is like our, one of our top beers. It's kind of the beer, one of the beers we're known for. And the the tagline of that beer has always been like, you're not worthy, right? Like it's not too expensive. You're too cheap. Like in the, the, the copy on the bottle in the can is still like, this is a very good beer. It's a sophisticated beer. You don't have the depth and sophistication to appreciate an ale of this depth and quality. Um, and I just always thought that was cool. You know, like, of course, as like a young 20 year old thinking that that was like in the face of the establishment or whatever. Um, so I have a beer that's like reverse psychology. You're not going to like this beer. You're not cool enough. So I loved them because of that. And when I went to work for them, you know, what I found was as much as that's definitely their like business, they're sort of their, their ethos in terms of how they approach beer, which is like aggressively, aggressively making high quality beer. And we don't really care if everybody likes it. It's not for everybody. Um, I found that like the people there were just like the nicest, greatest people, you know, like we hire the coolest people we hire typically like the, the, the running thing when they told me was like, we only hire like killer good people. Um, you know, so like if you work (laughs) here, you should be proud because we only hire the best people. Um, that's not to my own horn. That's just to say, like, I feel that way about my coworkers and I feel like we hire the best of the best people. Um, but they're like the nicest people, everybody there's, there's no, you know, the camaraderie and the team, you know, we call it team stone. That's like what we, you know, that's the, the sort of verbiage. 
Um, and like Team Stone is like the reason I love working here is like the people and like the culture. And I've been here five years through ups and downs, good years, bad years, you know, controversies, things that have happened, whatever. And also while craft beer has exploded and there's been a thousand more breweries. I mean, just in Austin, Texas alone, when I first got into beer, there was like eight craft breweries, you know, like <laughs> yeah. for brewing beer. No, for sure. It's, it's, it's been insane. There's 250 plus, I think something like that now. So um, I just, the people, man, the people in the beer, um, that's, that's what I've always gravitated to. And, um, you know, we sort of softened on that punk rock aesthetic. We, for years, were sort of like purposely on the streets. You're not cool enough. You're, this is not for you. This is only for like the cool kids. And we've sort of over the years softened that to say like, no, nah, we want to be for everybody. You know, like we, we want everyone to enjoy our beer. We want to make beers that all different kinds of people can enjoy. We want to make things for everybody. Uh, and so we've kind of softened that up a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think that's smart too, from a business standpoint and just beer has evolved too, right? Whereas craft beer used to be a niche thing and now it's for everybody, right? You go to barbecue and there's going to be craft beer there, right? You're no longer, if you take a six pack of Sierra Nevada to a barbecue, you're no longer going to be like the weirdo neck beard guy, right? You're just like, it's not a big deal, right? Now you might yeah. not be the guy who brought seltzer because everybody else and their mom might be drinking seltzer. But oh, <laughs> I don't know seltzer is a four letter word on this podcast. Different. But... Yeah, that's, that's an entirely different episode where I just rant and rave about why are we putting resources to this. Um, but yeah, no, I totally hear you. And that's you know something we covered last week. We were kind of talking about the difference between craft and macro breweries and micro breweries and so on and so forth and how you know craft used to be more distinguishable you can kind of point to that as craft and now i mean both through acquisitions and elsewhere I's, like it's kind of harder to point to like what is craft because you know goose island is owned by um, ab and bev and you know ballast point sold out to was a constellation brands or whatever and you know you have all these like known craft breweries that have now been been purchased and it's like well i would still kind of call those beers craft beers they're not really a craft brewery anymore and so it's kind of this you know murky water but i would say the you know craft beer as a whole has um exploded uh for sure so you know you're kind of talking about the different things that you've experienced uh with stone being there for five years so you know, we're, we're here, it's the middle of 2021. Um, as people get vaccinated and so on and so forth, the world is kind of opening back up. But what does this last year, um, this, this pandemic year kind of look, look like for you at Stone? Um, and, you know, you kind of personally in your role, but then also Stone as a whole. Yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously drastically shifted gears in the way that we do business. And uh, being a regional brewery that's out of state, um, we're already pretty heavily favored towards the off-premise, meaning places where you buy beer to drink it off-premise. So, you know, we sell the majority of our beer in Texas in grocery stores, liquor stores, things like that. Because of that, it wasn't a huge... I mean, obviously losing bars and restaurants overnight was a huge hit. But because of most of our beer being um, sold through off-premise, you know, the pantry loading and the spike kind of helped us. I mean, like people were just buying so much beer at home to take home. Um, it ended up sort of being a wash. So like being down in the on-premise was really like hurt. And honestly, it, it just hurt because we love to drink beer with people, right? We love to go to bars and the camaraderie and like being in a packed bar and hanging out and drinking beer with your friends is like our lifeblood, you know? Um, and not being able to do that for the whole year was really, really tough for me and for everybody on the planet, right? But especially when you're just, that's part of your lifestyle and part of your job, frankly. So that was tough, man. But as a business, you know, we adapted and we were pretty, I think we did pretty well. I mean, we had a pretty good year in Texas all things considered we we were able to keep all our staff we didn't let anybody go we we have two um two restaurants in southern california two giant restaurants they're actually the highest grossing restaurants in san diego other than the zoo and sea world um nice. they're incredible spots i highly recommend anybody in san diego go to stone, stone world bistro and gardens either one of them i've i've been it's uh amazing. it's incredible yeah great food great great beer place um, but so we, you know, we had to, with the California restrictions, we ended up had to furlough people, lay people off a couple times there. Unfortunately, we were trying to get everybody back and running as California opens back up. But as far as the brewery and sales staff, you know, we were able to retain everybody, which is really, really incredible. But yeah, it was hard, man. It was really hard. Sort of 40% of my job is being in the market, right? And um, selling to bars and restaurants, hitting up grocery stores, just doing those sort of like, you know, outside sales things. The rest of it's admin stuff, you know, logistics, things like that. But just overnight, not being able to do that was like, what do I do with my time? <laughs> you know, like... It was yeah, tough, no, man. It was hard. For sure. Uh, what would you say is your favorite beer that Stone does? Whether it's a seasonal or, or you know, kind of one of the mainstays, like you're, you have your dream beer when you open the fridge from Stone. What is that beer? Man, so this is tough because I don't, I get this asked a lot, a lot of me. 
And I also, I don't want to sound like a gatekeeper and say some beer that we don't make anymore because that's super lame, right? Because like, cool, the man. Vertical Epic. Right. Uh, I, might as, I might as well say a, a movie. My favorite movie is one that you can't find, right? Like what a like hipster move. So I'll say, I'll answer it like two ways. You know, the beer that I wish we kind of still made could get right now would be Original Recipe Ruination. You know, we, we changed that beer when I first started to 2.0 and changed the dry hop on it. And kind of made it a little more new school, more aromatic and less just sort of bitter, acrid sea hop to try to keep up with the times. And I think we probably should have just kept it the way it was, but whatever. So I wish we still made that beer. I love that beer. It got me kind of into stone too. But also to be a homer, like stone IPA is like, it just, and I know we're going to talk about it too. So I'm not, I promise I'm not trying to be like lame and corny, but it's just, no, no, no. And, there's a reason it's our flagship, dude. It's such a good what beer. What a great segue. Um, <laughs> so the reason that, the way that this podcast works, there's uh, one of the three of us that will pick a style of beer and a beer in that style to taste every week. And it was Nick's turn at the helm. And so, you know, he said his first IPA, and he talked about it last week, was the Stone IPA. You know, he started drinking it and didn't like it. Uh, I don't think anybody sure. really tastes an IPA and it's just like, man, that's amazing and I want right. more of it. Like, it's more of an acquired taste. And so... Um, you know, we were talking about like, what's the, what's the second beer we're going to do in this? And we said, let's tackle IPA. You know, I think um, whether you love them, you hate them, or, you know, you just hear a lot about them and don't know what they are. It's, it's one of the more popular styles. And when you're talking IPAs and you're talking kind of the old school before they started splitting into subcategories, um, I think you're really talking about Stone IPA, or you're talking maybe like Lagunitas, um, or like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, like, Right. That that's kind of where IPA started, not going into the hipster eighteen twelve yada 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 English ships and going over to India. Like, right? Yes, that that will also be addressed. But really, kind of the genesis beers of uh, IPAs was was that Stone IPA. We're about to get into our tasting of the Stone IPA, but real quick, like we said, um, we're doing IPAs this week and specifically West Coast IPAs, which I think Stone obviously fits very well into. And I've seen Stone kind of begrudgingly go into the hazy side. Like it's sure, kind of like, sure. hey, if you really want us to, we're going to kick and scream, and but we'll eventually give you what you want, people. But I kind of like that about Stone. Stone is unabashedly who they are, right. um, which I think is really cool. Uh, so before we uh, get into our tasting this week. Do you have like what is your favorite beer style? Uh, it's definitely IPA, and more specifically, like you were speaking to, you used to be able to just say that, right? Like I just love IPAs, but now it's like you have to be more specific. Um, yeah, so I love uh, I'm, I'm IPA. I'm a hophead man, and and specifically West Coast. Yeah, I like drier, more bitter. You know, I, I dabble in the hazy thing. Like we make hazy beers. I think they're really solid. Um, but if I'm just thinking of like, man, I want a beer right now, it's usually something like West Coast. I like a West Coast IPA, like Stone IPA, Green Flash West Coast. You know, those are the beers I love. And also, um, and being in Texas, it's like hot as mess here all the time. So like a nice lager and Pilsner, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Live Oak Pilsner um, here in Austin. That's like my one of my go-to beers in my fridge. And then uh, Real El Hans Pils as well. Those are like two of my favorite Pilsners, always in my fridge pretty much. Love a nice German, noble hopped, grassy pills. Keep your American hops out of my Pilsner. That's one of my things. Like I love American hops. I love IPAs, love like all our stuff. But I think there's sometimes a tendency to be like, we're going to do an Americanized Pilsner. And I'm like, please don't. Like, yeah. Please like take these amazing German hops and keep them in this German style beer. So I'm a little bit of a purist when it comes to that. But yeah, Pilsner lager and IPA dry. Dryness is what I crave in beer. Honestly, like don't. No, don't it makes. Be, yeah. Don't love sweet makes stuff. Total pa- sense. Pastry stouts, you know, nice every once in a while. You know, we do Choco Vesa in the winter. Great beer, Mexican hot chocolate. Oh, stout. man incredible beer but like i can have one or two and it's cold and it's great oh you get you get a bomber that you sit in front of the fire and you kind of totally yeah yeah no i'm with you on that and we were yeah we did pilsners last week and we were kind of talking about like nice you know pilsners are very very difficult to do even though they're such a simple beer but so many of the american breweries and especially like smaller scale craft breweries a pint house they feel like they have to add something to it like it can't just be here's a pilsner it's you know here's a pilsner like uh pint house did one this week here's a pilsner it's really clean and we put some sage in it. Like, here's a Pilsner, right, right. really clean, and we dry hopped it. It's like, no, man, just, like, make a Pilsner. It's yeah. it's a great style of beer. The problem is, like, you know, that nobody buys them, I don't think, is sort of the issue. Well, and I think like, it's you know. justifying the cost, right? Like, all of these, when Pine House does a beer, even their, quote-unquote, cheap beers, it, you know, it'll be, like, 12 bucks for a four-pack or, you That's know. That's cheap. So, I've never seen it that cheap, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they're not doing something that, you know, requires 700 pounds of hops per gallon, right. um, 
you know, it, it can be a little bit less expensive, but like even at that, you can get a normal Pilsner for a lot cheaper than that. So yeah. I can kind of, I can get it, kind of get it from that perspective. So, and it's time too, you know, loggers and Pilsners longer in the oh, tank, yeah. right? More time. And especially you got a horizontal tank, like live oak has horizontal tanks for their loggers and Pilsners. So yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that people don't see like the added cost for a beer like that. Cause they think simplicity equals cheap, right? I think that's, that's a misconception that yeah. a lot of people have is, Oh, this is a simple beer. There's nothing to it, but it's like, no, it's elegant. You know, it's like a, you know, people don't have the same perception about wine or other, other spirits or even like, you know, food, like you go to a nice restaurant, white tablecloth place, get a nice piece of fish or a great steak. It's going to be simple, right? But you're willing to pay the money because you know, you're paying for the the ingredients and the simple preparation is part of it, right? Because it's trying to let the ingredients shine. So I wish people had the same feeling about beer. Oh, no, it's a, that's a great point. And something Nick brought up last week is when you brew a Pilsner, there's nothing to hide behind. Totally. Like you yeah. make a flaw in the beer and it's going to show. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and get into our beer of the week. It's the Stone IPA kind of, like I said, quintessential West Coast IPA is what it would be referred to as now. Uh, but you know, back in the day, it was just an IPA. Dylan, if you wouldn't mind, again, we have Dylan Ellis uh, here with us from Stone Brewing. Uh, Dylan, again, thanks so much for joining us. Would you just kind of run us through the Stone IPA, what makes it special, and just kind of why you love it? Yeah. So this was our first anniversary beer in 1997. So the first beer we brewed was just Stone Pale Ale. Um, I was 10 years old, so I say we like very royal, <laughs> royally. Um, so no, Dylan Stone, was stirring the tank. <laughs> I was 10 years old. <laughs> like, yeah, cleaning out the tanks. Uh, yeah, so Stone IPA was our 1997 first anniversary beer. And back then, again, like, yeah, IPA was not a thing. There was not IPAs in grocery stores. You wouldn't see that. We wouldn't see it in the set. Um, no, Almost nobody made one year round. So it was a very sort of, not even, I'm not crazy because there's Sierra Nevada, there's Anchor, there's people like that making beer, but it was not. Not obviously in vogue and as common. Ours is definitely the West Coast style. I mean, dry. We, so when I say West Coast, you know what what I what we mean anyway. It, stone is like uh, aromatic, dry, uh, bitter. Those are the kind of the keystones that I say. Whereas like an East Coast, which even if, I don't, is that a thing anymore? I don't think it is. It's more like Northeast. It's getting so fragmented. Yeah, I mean, so it used to be like more East Coast would be like Dogfish Head, right? Which was more. Uh, you know, they bitter the whole thing about 60 minute, they bitter, they're putting, uh, you know, hops in the beer continuously throughout the boil. So it's a lot of aromatic and not a lot of bitterness. Whereas we like bitterness, we're okay with bitter, like we're not afraid of it. So, and so the, the interesting thing too, about Stone IPA is a few years ago, we sort of tweaked it just a tiny bit, not much, but we call this 1.1 or we did at the time. All that we really did was change the dry hop on it. So it's old school, big, like Centennial Chinook, um, you know, Amarillo, like old school, big west coast hops and then so a few years ago we just we changed the dry hop on it a little bit so uh, the dry hop now has um centennial azaka calypso um motueka ella vic secret so basically just all it really did was just it's all aromatic right so it's just the dry hopping that we changed so you get a ton of um aromatics when you, you put the, the glass to your nose but you still get in, in the mouthfeel and in the the finish dryness bitterness so a lot of stone fruit grapefruit sometimes like you know like again peach from that stone fruit a little bit I get a little bit of pininess from like Centennial, uh, but it's just like, it's what, what I think of when I think of West Coast, man, like all that nice piney and then stone fruit flavor, not a lot of like tropical, like the, you know, the new, a lot of the new beers we make, a lot, a lot of hops that want to lend itself to that tropical flavor, pineapple, mango, papaya, guava, those kind of things. But these hops are just like, like I said, peach, stone fruit, grapefruit. And yeah, I love it. So Chris and Nick, kind of what, what are your thoughts about the classic stone IPA? Hang on, going in for my first sip. Well, I'm I'm reading the uh, the new bottle here. I haven't picked up a six pack of this in quite a while, I guess. Really dig the new uh, new bottle redesign. First of all, good job, guys. Uh, but I'm reading back here. It says, "Was Stone IPA your dad's beer 20 years ago? If so, what a trailblazer! Less than uh, 0.01% of beer drinkers had ever tried Stone IPA 20 years ago." And I'm like, "You guys need to get out of my head. That's exactly what I did 20 <laughs> years ago." Uh, and yeah, yeah, like we touched on it uh, a little bit earlier, uh, did not care for it. Did not know what I was getting into. It was, it, it certainly was eye opening, and I, you know, became more aware of what beer could be right then. And I said, <laughs> you know, no thanks. I'll try something else. But man, was that a looking back on that? That was a gateway. And so just drinking this here right now, it, it takes me back to that. And I wish I could maybe maybe go back in time and and just look look at that 18 uh, year old kid and say oh you just wait you dumb kid you don't even know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i know the smell of it i mean it definitely it takes you back right like i think for a lot of people a beer like stone especially kind of of the generation that we are 
Um, a beer like the Stone IPA would be your first foray into an IPA. And it would be that like one weird kid and or Nick that would, you know, give this to you and you would sit there and you would smell it. And, you know, I'm still getting just, you know, kind of like you're saying, it's a lot of the kind of grapefruity. It's you really kind of smell the hops and like you just really get that kind of, you know, I'm sticking my nose into like a jar of a jar of hops. Um, and it's more than anything, it's just kind of bringing bring back a lot of memories. But yeah, I mean, the the grapefruits, the pininess, I mean, it just a classic West Coast smell color on it. Great, clear, you know, kind of dark yellow, you know, ambery color. I mean, exactly what you want to see um, out of this beer. And then, you know, you take a sip and it's just that unabashedly west coast now is what you know again but just hop forward really nice balance with the malts you get those kind of traditional ipa flavors with it chris what what do you got for us yeah i love it it's uh super tropical on the nose and um like i was telling these guys last week i'm so ready to get off the hazy train and <laughs> yeah um i'm loving this like um this this is exactly i in fact i mentioned last week i'm i if i have to pick between a west coast and something hazy i'm going west coast all the time and you know that's a change for me because for a while hazies were just all the rage and they were everywhere you went but um it's kind of run its course for me and uh this is this is exactly what i'm looking for i love the color love the uh love all the aromas and man Loving that hot bitterness. It's awesome. Yeah. So it's it's funny. You, you A couple of guys hit on it. And then I hear this a lot too, which is like, oh man, I haven't had Stone IPA in a long time, um, which is totally good. Like I hear that all the time. There's so many beers. Totally fine. Doesn't hurt my feelings. But I would just say to everybody, hey, next time you're in Central Market or wherever, like grab that six pack Stone IPA because it's like, it's not going to do you wrong, right? Like it's always mm-hmm. good. And even to my, myself, I have access to all the stone beer I want. And sometimes I get caught on the new thing too. Like I want the new beer. I want the new seasonal. I want the new, or, you know, we have Buena Vesa now, which is a salt and lime Mexican lager. And it's definitely not, not a stone beer like that we would have made years ago. But, you know, and again, when you're in Texas and it's a hundred degrees, like sometimes I just reach for a couple of Buena Vesa because it's a salt and lime lager. It's really nice. It's super tasty. It's really well-made. And I sort of forget. And then like coming over tonight, I actually was really excited because I was like, man, I haven't had a Stone MPA probably in like a week or two. Um, I'm excited, <laughs> you know, like, so, uh, yeah, I just, I love this beer, man. It's it's the beer that we uh, put us on the map and that pays the bills and keeps the lights on still. So like, yeah, I, I love Stone MPA. So Nick kind of get us, you know, you're sitting down and I think one of the things I found interesting in doing the first episode was we, we took a beer in Pilsner or Kell and made that the focus of the drinking instead of like, Oh, I'm going to drink this and do something. It was no, no, no. I'm going to sit down, drink this beer and think about what I'm drinking. And so, you know, Nick, when you're kind of sitting down for the first time in um, a hot second and drinking a stone IPA, what, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm just thinking mainly uh, what a beautiful plant the hop is that uh, (laughs) piney resiny, I mean, you say it's not a hazy IPA, and it's definitely not, but it's got a little bit of a juiciness to it as well. I mean, it's just a solid beer. I mean, I don't, yeah, not, not much, else, much else to say about it. It's, it's just, you know, pretty darn stinking good. Well, and I think, you know, like when we sat down with the Pilsner or Kell and kind of talked about that it was the standard bearer of Pilsners. I mean, it was, the, it, it was the first one, but it wasn't like the first one. And then, you know, 10 beers later, they perfected it like they really perfected it in that first one. And I think when you think about when I kind of take myself in a you know time machine and remember when IPAs were just IPAs, like this was a classic, but especially when you think West coast IPAs like stone, I mean, I remember, um, you know, you were mentioning the restaurant, Dylan, uh, driving up to the restaurant and just smelling the restaurant and the, I mean, also they brew beer there, so it wasn't <laughs> right. the food. Right. Um, but just, I mean, you, it smelled like stone IPA from probably a couple miles away. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was amazing kind of side note, but one of the most uh, amazing Brussels sprout dishes I ever had was at the stone restaurant. It was phenomenal, which, you know, whatever the food is incredible. I mean, again, like the beers are great, but the food is just as good. Well, It's like world-class. I mean, yeah, it is. yeah, they've got fantastic chefs there and the views, man, it was like the, the landscaping was just fantastic. I mean, it's a, if you get a chance, definitely go out there when, uh, if you're visiting the San Diego area, 
So Dylan, I'm going to kind of wrap things up uh, with you here. Um, again, really appreciate you coming on today, man. Um, one of the things as we get started with our podcast uh, that we're doing to you know, kind of show some love uh, to our friends that come on that are in the beer industry is let us know, Dylan, what uh, your charity of choice is, and we'll make a small donation from the Beers Dad podcast in your name to that charity. Oh, wow. Um, man, I would say my dad um, uh, the volunteers with Meals on Wheels a lot. So I would say, you know, that's a great organization. We also have a program currently uh, just kind of serendipitously with Stone um, where uh, we have we have beer across a bunch of airports. We make a house blonde for a, a lot of airport re- uh, restaurants and bars. And uh, we're doing a thing um, all May and June that we're donating a portion of that to Meals on Wheels as well. So yeah, let's keep it in house, man. Meals on Wheels. All right. You got it. Again, Thanks for coming on. Uh, maybe we'll be chatting again in the future if Stone comes on the uh, wheel of wheel of beers again. <laughs> yeah, but we'll have to do something it, other than an IPA at some point. Um, <laughs> if you guys do like a a rando episode with uh, American Strong Ale, we make the only one on the planet, an American an arrogant bastard. So if you guys just run out of every style, we can do arrogant bastard. <laughs> oh no, for sure. It was it was great having you on. Really appreciate you taking the time. My and, pleasure, uh, man. Appreciate having me. Yeah, yeah. Have Thanks a good fun. one. It's fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. That was Dylan Ellis, Texas market manager for Stone Brewing, and the inaugural interview for Beers with Dad podcast. All right. So, again, it was great to have Dylan on. Great interview. Lots of good things. Talking about Stone, talking about you know him as a dad, uh, his beer journey. Um, really enjoyed that Stone IPA. Just a classic of the style. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. You gained some things. You learned some things. and. We hope that you will come back next week. We'll have a new style, a new beer to taste, and new stories from the guys. Chris, Nick, it was a pleasure as always. Yeah, likewise. Had a great time. Cheers, yeah, guys. Let's do it again. All right. Cheers. Cheers. And don't touch the thermostat.